AM790 Talk and Business presents Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island with your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Join Bronwyn to hear about the next Water Fire event in downtown Providence, plus other great cultural events happening in the community. Now, here's your host, Bronwyn Dannenfelser. Well, and hello, 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 and welcome to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. We are supported by National Grid and Lifetime Medical, so very big thank you to our sponsors who make this uh, program possible, and every week we are here with you on Wednesdays, taking you behind the scenes of Waterfire, telling you what's about to happen at Waterfire, and introducing you to the people that make it happen, uh, as well as talking about a lot of other cultural things happening in this beautiful little state of ours which, again, has got a lot of great things going on. Um, I am absolutely through the moon, excited. I'm running on super high energy today because our whole office has been running on super high energy and our whole production crew at Waterfire because this weekend is going to be epic. And I'm hoping that we can fit in everything that we need to talk about uh, in this one-hour show. Uh, But first, I'd like to introduce uh, my co-host for the day, Miss Betsy Jones, who works at Waterfire. She's kind of the guru who, uh, you know, works with Barnaby and works with most of our sponsors with me and kind of keeps everything together. Uh, Hi, Betsy. Well, hello there. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well today, thanks. I am just psyched we were able to pull you out of the (laughs) office because I know you're so busy. I am, but it's... Always busy at Waterfire, especially coming up to an event. So. Well, have you found and that this last week or two weeks has been absolutely, I, I think, the busiest that we've been this year? Because this weekend, August 1st, Saturday, August 1st, we are doing the second annual C is for Cure, Rhode Island defeats Hep C Water Fire. And we're going to be talking a little bit later in the show, or actually right uh, in a second, not later in the show. That <laughs> means really one minute in my time. Um, but uh, to Dr. Lynn Taylor, who has spearheaded Rhode Island defeats Hep C here in Rhode Island um, last year, helped us kick off this incredible event at Water Fire. And this year we're coming back bigger and stronger, and we've got so many amazing things going on. And Betsy, you've been working on a resource there that's going to be happening uh, at the fire, right? I have been. We're pulling together a really lovely resource fair um, with a couple different organizations from around Rhode Island who help and focus on the population of people who may have hepatitis C. Awesome. So we're going to get into that as we start talking about what I'm calling the Hep C Hope or the Rhode Island Defeats Hep C Pavilion, because not only is there going to be testing and information there, but, oh my gosh, yep, we've got a massive music stage with Rose Weaver that's going to be playing all of songs. You know, she's playing with the New Orleans Jazz Band, all about hope oh. and, you know, uplifting people. So that's happening all in that area. And then, gosh, who doesn't know Greg Abate? He's been traveling around and he's been in Europe and we were lucky enough. He comes back Thursday uh, to get him for the stage to play there, uh, you know, on Saturday as well. So he'll be playing from 9 to 11. We'll be talking about that later on. But without uh, any further ado, Uh, And we'll also be talking about other things. We have Festival Ballet performing, this incredible ballet to start the fire. But I would love to now say hello. Dr. Taylor, hi. 
Hello, I'm so thrilled to be back here again to celebrate C is for Cure, Water Fire for Rhode Island Defeats Hep C. I think, you know, you do such amazing work, and there's so much that people do not know about not only just the virus, hepatitis C, but all of the breakthroughs that have been happening kind of over the last, what, is it two years, essentially, Lynn? It is just mind-blowing. It's astonishing. Almost every day there is some dizzying advance. This is really unprecedented with hepatitis C. We say C is for cure. Only a few years ago, if anyone said we could cure hepatitis C, the response would be, you're crazy. That's not possible. We can't cure viruses with pills. And now, literally, every day, something's happening that is so new. There are just so many breakthroughs with hepatitis C. So we really are coming together to celebrate unprecedented advances, primarily in curative, safe therapies that can cure most people most of the time. And again, has that only started in, in the last couple of years? And when you did, when did actually when did you start Rhode Island defeats Hep C with them? Um, so I really owe everything with Rhode Island defeats Hep C to the Rhode Island Foundation. Um, through the Rhode Island Foundation, I was awarded an innovation fellowship three years ago to help Rhode Island, to help Rhode Islanders save money. And really what I pitched was, hey, you know what? With all the changes and the shifts in the hepatitis C epidemic and with the crisis right now in the United States and around the world with the hep C epidemic, if we are proactive now, we take action now in Rhode Island, we could save a lot of money for Rhode Island and Rhode Islanders, and we could be the first state to eliminate this epidemic. Save a lot of money and a lot of lives. Absolutely. So save mm-hmm. lives, reduce suffering, reduce illness, keep families together, keep families in the workplace. Um, this is a disease that really takes people at the peak of their lives. And I just heard um, from Dr. Camilla Graham from Harvard yesterday, we were so privileged to have her come to Brown University and Miriam Hospital to discuss hepatitis C for World Hepatitis Day on July 28th. And she discussed some Massachusetts data showing that the average time of from um, hepatitis C diagnosis to death from hepatitis C in Massachusetts was three years. Oh, so wow. people are getting diagnosed much too late. And mm-hmm. the average age of death from hepatitis C was 53. That's young. That's young. Because when, um, one of the things that I was reading uh, on your website, RhodeIslandDefeatsHepC.com, is something that to me really struck me. One in every 30 baby boomers has the virus. Yes, I'm so glad that you brought that up. You know, we want to leave any discussion of Hep C really with two main points. C is for cures. It's a curable infection, and cure helps reduce illness, suffering, and death, and saves money for everyone in addition. And that hep C is everybody's problem. It is so common. One in 30 people born between 1945 and 1965 in the United States have hepatitis C. So we all have a spouse, a partner, a child, a grandparent, a neighbor, a colleague, a friend with hepatitis C. And if we think we don't, it's because we haven't been able to talk about it. One in 30 is our risk if we're baby boomers. And three out of four of us, 75%, have no idea that we're living with this silent infection. Well, first, why is it that specific age group or, you know, that specific generation that is um, more likely to have hep C? Hepatitis C wasn't something that we were aware of until 1989. So throughout the 60s, the 70s, the 80s, there were many practices going on in medicine at freestanding colonoscopy clinics, at podiatry clinics, in medical settings that involved exchange of blood. 
And the medical systems in the United States and many other parts of the world really didn't have in place what we call now infection control, where everything is clean and sterile and gloves are used and instruments are cleaned in a very special way. Um, and it was really the HIV epidemic that heralded in this idea of infection control. So just by virtue of growing up in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, we could have been exposed to hep C unknowingly through some type of medical practice, not because a physician or medical system was doing anything egregiously or intentionally. It was because there was not an awareness of how infectious this virus could be through standard medical practices. So we've now you've got this group, and you're saying that most of them or most of these people who are infected don't know. What is it? Um, well, that's one. Why we're doing testing at Water Fire, and I know for some people that people are going, you're going to be testing at Water Fire. It's extremely discreet. I myself did it last year. Um, it takes a few minutes. It's uh, very well done, and congratulations and kudos to you and your team, um, Dr. Taylor, because I know that everyone got followed up with, with a personal phone call. Everything's confidential. And then again, as you know, you try to create a plan and how to help people, um, whether, you know, not only medicinally, but a care plan, essentially. Um, that's that's so important that people are finding this out. If 75% people, percent of the people don't know, what are, would be the signs that somebody has been living with this virus that they so, might be yeah. overlooking? So this is the difficult thing about hepatitis C. It's a silent, sneaky disease. It's a liver disease. It's an infectious disease. But when we first catch hepatitis C, we tend not to feel a thing. It's a day just like any other. That is the typical experience of someone at the moment during the day, during the week after being infected with hepatitis C. For a tiny percentage of people, there may be very mild, nonspecific symptoms, so mild that people may say, I have a cold, I have a little germ. Most times it doesn't bring us into medical attention. And then over years, many years, as the infection is in the liver and causing scarring over time, we still tend to be without symptoms. We still tend to feel fine and tend to feel nothing. And that's why it's so important that we say, look, let's just get a simple test to see if we have it. Because, you know, in the common sense model of illness, we're not going to seek medical care unless we feel funny, unless we feel something's different or odd in our body. That doesn't happen with hepatitis C. So we have to get a test, specific test for the hepatitis C infection to let us know that we have it. As part of this whole new initiative that you've been rolling out, making that part of you, when I go to the doctor... He sends me to go get a blood test. Is that becoming part of the norm now that uh, hep C, that test becomes part of your regular blood work? That is absolutely the goal. The United States Centers for Disease Control, the World Health Organization, many other bodies around the world, and again, we're focused here on Rhode Island and the United States, the CDC has said that baby boomers should all be tested one time for hepatitis C with a very inexpensive, safe blood test. And I really have to thank and give all the credit to the hepatitis C testing team led by Ray Joseph, Paul Fitzgerald, Oz Lugo. As you mentioned, they do a beautiful job. They're very experienced in testing for hepatitis C. And what we do is we decided not to give results on August 1st at the night of water fire, just because we may be with our children and we may be with our friends and we may be listening to music. Mm -hmm. And what we've learned over time is that um, it's fine for us to call a few days later and let people know. And then if people are infected, we can shepherd them into care. 
I, I think that's a, that's a wonderful thing, and you are such a caring person, and you've got an incredible team. We're going to have to take a break in a second, but when we come back, I want to talk to you more about your passion and really what brought you um, to be working so hard for this cause and to bring it to Waterfire, to bring not only to Waterfire, but to the community at large. That's something that was just discovered in 1989. There's got to be something personal there. I'd love to hear about that, and we're going to talk about everything happening at, you know, the Rhode Island defeats have seawater fire on August 1st. And Betsy, you're going to be telling us all about those boots, right? I absolutely will. You are listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM 790. We will be back in a minute with Dr. Taylor, Betsy Jones, and Bronwyn Dannenfelser. That would be me on your host. Welcome back. Wow. Check that out. You know what that is? That's the sweet sounds of Greg Abate, who's going to be playing at the Rhode Island Defeats Hepsi Pavilion happening on Steeple Street. Uh, we've been talking to Dr. Lynn Taylor and talking to Betsy Jones. We're coming back to you. We're uh, going to talk a little bit more about hepatitis C and, uh, you know, one, the risks and a lot of information. You know, it, it is a disease, uh, Dr. Taylor. We were talking during the break that uh, it's had a stigma to it. And a lot of people haven't, you know, I, I think... They've not wanted to come forward or even or even look at it. But we are in a very big time of change right now, just in the world in general, in the way that we're seeing things and opening up. Um, and one of the things I had asked you, uh, and I wanted to start with, it amazed me, again, to hear 1989 is when this really first came to the forefront and was discovered, Hep C. That's not too long ago. What brought you into this field and, and, and such a passionate advocate for the work that you're doing? Well, a few things. I started out as an HIV and AIDS physician, and I still am. Um, and what started to happen right around 2000, 2001, was that with the advances in medications to control HIV, people started to live long, healthy lives, and the lifespan for someone with and without HIV were now becoming equivalent. But then what happened? People beat their HIV only to die of hepatitis C. And we saw 2001, 2002, 2003, that hepatitis C had become the leading cause of illness and death for people with well-controlled HIV. Wow. So that was one, one bit enormous factor. And the other thing was that I, I had the opportunity to work with infectious disease physician Professor Josiah Rich, who is at Brown University in the Division of Infectious Diseases. And he had a study in the 90s looking at offering people who injected drugs syringes within the context of a patient-doctor medicalized relationship to see if we could help decrease infection spread by blood. And what we found when we were working in West Providence was that it was very rare that someone would actually be infected with HIV or hepatitis B, but I saw that everyone had hepatitis C. And it just became apparent that this was a very common problem, an unsolved problem, and that it needed more and more and more attention. And that's when I was able to jump in. Well, yeah, well, thank God for, you know, people like you. And, you know, again, with the Innovation Award and bringing Rhode Island Defeats Hep C to the forefront, I know you just came back from Geneva and the World Health Organization. 
since these new drugs have been advanced that can help um, and can cure hepatitis C, what have you seen over the past two years in, in this kind of shift in treating Wow, one pill once a day for many people for 8 to 12 weeks, extremely safe, no side effects, and 95% of people are cured. And the cure is not just, okay, something's out of my bloodstream. Cure means that my risk of getting sick from hep C, from dying of hep C, go way, way, way down. My liver can become more healthy. And so to see the evolution in hep C treatments, we used to have chemotherapy, injections, and many pills for a year. People's hair would fall out and they'd become depressed. That added to the stigma of hepatitis C. And we want people to know that you don't have to be afraid. We don't use interferon anymore. We don't use that dreaded chemotherapy interferon anymore. We have pills for 8 to 12 to 24 weeks that cure most people most of the time very safely. You know, one, I think that just gives us a lot of hope when you think of, or when I think of hearing about hep C and it being a virus, or HIV, it's like, geez, well, it, are we going to find a cure? And when we say C is for cure, to me, it's amazing that this work has been done. And I know we're going to be kicking off the lighting with a massive, massive uh, torch procession with people who are all from different, it's doctors, right? And Link, can you describe who's going to be sure. in this Sure, well, I have to, again, thank Barnaby and thank all of you at Waterfire because since last year's Hepatitis C Waterfire, there's just been an explosion of interest in Hepatitis C. So we have such a diverse group of new people who've come in to work on the Hepatitis C in Rhode Island. We have new liver surgeon, Ijioma Zoto. We have Samir Shah, a gastroenterologist, who's there. We have new primary care physicians involved who we've, who've identified Hepatitis C this year and hadn't been screening for it before and are now coming in. We have case managers, new researchers, Brandon Marshall and many others. Our School of Public Health in Rhode Island has jumped on board with full enthusiasm to start doing Hepatitis C research. So a very diverse group of people now involved as torchbearers. So we really want to thank you because... The interest sparked by last year's water fire was really extraordinary. Well, I think we're going to see twice as many people uh, this weekend, and we're going to be really highlighting that. And, you know, so the torch procession, be in that basin. It's the most amazing thing to see. Um, all these people who are devoted to the cause, they'll be in the yellow sashes that are part of the cause and part of the cure. And that's really what we want to focus on there. And then, what are you going to do? You take a little walk and you land on Steeple Street. And on Steeple Street, we're going to have a lot of information booths. We're going to have music, as we just heard Greg Abate and Rose Weaver, who we're going to be talking to a little bit later in the program. But, Betsy, I know that you've been working diligently on putting together um, this incredible resource fair. And can we talk a little bit about that? I know we've got Hepsi Hope. I know AARP, but the floor is yours, my lady. Oh, thank you. Yes, we're really excited to invite, have back a couple groups um, this year. And actually, because, as Lynn said, there is added interest, we do have groups come in this year who were, who are new and who are really interested in reaching out to our community. And one of those groups that's new this year is the AARP, the American Association of Retired Peoples. And so... We're really excited to have them, and they'll have information available on Steeple Street, along with the Rhode Island Organ Donor Awareness Coalition. I imagine very important because of the liver, the effects on the liver, right? Absolutely. Hepatitis C is the leading reason that Americans go to get liver transplantation in the United States. More than alcoholism. More than alcohol. Mm. Wow. Okay. And in that vein, we also have the American Liver Foundation joining us for the first time this year, which we're very excited about. Very good. 
And we'll also be having Brown University's Alpert Medical School will have some information available as well. And that's not to mention at all the screening center that will be set up on Steeple Street as well so that anybody over the age of 18 over the age of 18 can get screened for 18 and older excuse me (laughs) I mean that sounds perfect and then I've got to add in that there is going to be a very special art installation right up at the top of Steeple Street where all these information booths are Um, I'll give you a little clue super magical it's got a horn (laughs) <laughs> and people have been looking for it all over Rhode Island. And it's going to be wearing a beautiful yellow sash because, again, this entire fire is about C is for cure. Rhode Island defeats Hep C. Thank you to people like Dr. Lynn Taylor and the amazing group of people that she works with. And as she was just saying, Lynn, you know, more people coming on to help with the cause and help actually with the cure. I love it. It's it's just a beautiful, beautiful uh, event. So we've got a lot of activities that are going to be happening. Dr. Taylor, thank you so much. Do you have a couple of closing words that you'd like to... I hope we all look up at the State House tonight and see the dome glowing yellow, a very iconic image of our State House dome glowing yellow for World Hepatitis Day and Rhode Island Defeats Hep C. This is an image that's going to be beamed around the world. That's awesome, and it's up for over a week, right? Oh, wow, exciting, Mm -hmm. over a week. Dr. Taylor, thank you so much. We're going to have your website up on the Waterfire website so that people can get more information, and we just love you. Thank you for helping us. I'm so grateful to get to partner with such a beautiful group and use the arts to enhance understanding of hepatitis C. That's right, because you've got an incredible artist as a husband. I know that. That's true. (laughs) All right, we'll be right back here listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island. Yeah, we're talking about August 1st. Be there or be square. Bye. And hello, 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 and welcome back. And that's right, Rose. It ain't nobody's business if you do, I do, or anybody does. Um, you are listening to Water Fire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talking business. And we're talking all about this huge fire on Saturday. Rhode Island defeats Hep C. We were just talking to Dr. Lynn Taylor. And, uh, you know, the one thing we forgot to mention, which is just huge, we've got the head of the CDC flying in, Scott Holmberg, uh, who was so moved by this fire last year. You're going to see him carrying a torch. This is big stuff. Um, what we're doing again here in this little state is just really big stuff. But now I want to talk to my friend Rose Weaver. Rose, are you there on the line? Hi. Yes, I'm on the line. I'm uh, outside in this hot weather. <laughs> oh, no, you need to go inside and get a little c- cooled off. <laughs> <laughs> well, Rose, oh. I, I got to tell you one. Um, congrats! That article that came out on the Providence Journal on Sunday that Channing Gray did was just probably one of the most moving articles and open and um, I would just say straightforward and beautiful and inspiring to me. And if anybody missed it, they should go Google Rose Weaver and the, the article that came out. It was really good. Congratulations on yeah. that. I'm, I'm so grateful, Channing, for being so sensitive, and because um, it's tough to talk about stuff like that. Well, you... I mean, we have all had our tragedies and our losses, but I thought he handled it for the journal really, really uh, in a sensitive manner. 
He really did, and I love the fact that, you know, he highlighted that you came back home to Rhode Island to heal, and, you know, and, yeah. I mean, I say heal, but I think you're healing a lot of people with your music and your art and your playwriting and everything that you're doing, and, you know, this Saturday, I, so. I know so, so, you know, well, yeah. I'm going to say my opinion is really important, but I, I know so. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we've got you and a New Orleans jazz band playing on the stage for this really massive event uh, this weekend. And can you tell us a little bit about what we're going to hear? And Oh, my goodness. You're going to hear, uh, you know, great horn players like Ted Kasher. And and I, I've always loved working with Ted. He plays clarinet and saxophone. Um and, uh, of course, Al D'Andre is going to be playing um, trumpet and flugelhorn. So I've got my horns, and that's going to really make it pop. Um, Ron Bianchi is playing piano for me. Dennis Pratt is on acoustic bass. Um, and this is just going to be a lot of fun. I love, love, love songs like Sweet Georgia Brown because, you know, I'm a Southern girl, but I'm a Rhode Island girl, too. So when you combine those together, I'm not inhibited about performing on stage, so I like to do a little boogieing and stuff. I'll probably wear a red French dress. Right on. So I can <laughs> <laughs> just have some fun. And that's the thing about life now. I'm at the age I am. I'm a mature woman, but it's the music. We have fun That Music helps everybody. I, it certainly and, is. It's healing. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I'll be doing songs like that, uh, Sweet Georgia Brown and uh, A-Train, and Don't Mean a Thing If It Ain't Got That Swing. Um, I'm going to do a couple of moon songs, because I'm in love with the moon. Right on. Um, yeah, probably like Blue Moon and Slimy to the Moon. Uh, all right. <laughs> we I, have I, a special friend who loves Slimy to the Moon. We certainly um, do. <laughs> Um, but uh, those are some of the kinds of songs I'll be doing. Well, you know, we, we again, we're so excited because your energy and your vibrance. And I just think having you here at this lighting, which is, again, all about hope. Can you believe that there is a cure for hepatitis C? That Rose. is amazing. Yeah. I, I mean, it amazes me. And I'm not sure if you heard the beginning of the show, but we've been talking to Dr. Lynn Taylor. And wow. I mean, just to know that it just came out in 1989. Baby boomers. So many. One in 30 baby boomers diagnosed with hep C rose. And, you know, now that there's a cure, there's hope. And I think, as you just said, you know, you're out there having fun living life. And so there's such kind of this wonderful, I don't know, synchronicity between having you up on stage, inspiring people and the whole fire being an inspiration yes yes and we you know Manny Barrows who was a really popular singer around town uh, passed from something like that it was Hepsi I think so, you know, I think a lot of us have been touched by Hep C. I know that um, somebody in my family has Hep C and has been looking into some of the new drugs and curative uh, aspects. But, you know, when I called you up, I was like, please, 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 God, let Rose be available. And, again, can, will people be able to get up and, and be dancing in the streets to your music? Sure. If they feel like it, of course. Yeah. Uh, you I, know, I, that's what Water Pie is about, is about having a good time. And it's the kind of atmosphere, I don't think it's like so much of a uh, totally sit down and listen. People want to tap their feet and they feel like moving. If they feel like listening, they can do it because the sound system is usually really good. Mm-hmm. And the music, so you, with that, and I think Brett Abate is going to be on after me. He certainly is. So I mean, we've got the, we've got the star lineup of Rhode Island. I mean, this is why I'm so glad you're back home, Rose. I mean, finally, I can go. I can listen to you. We're at Aspire. I know that you're playing in a bunch of different yeah. other places. Um, can you mention a few of those as well? 
Huh? Can you mention some of the other gigs that we might be able to catch you at besides Waterfire? Well, the, 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 those are the two main um, ones coming up in terms of singing right now. In the fall, I've got a lot of stuff happening. We've got this uh, program called, um, let's see, uh, what do we call it? Stages of Freedom, Acting Black. And it'll, it'll examine all the black performing artists in the in, uh, performing arts from in Rhode Island from, uh, let's see, uh, from the past up to the present, including people like Viola Davis. But a lot of great artists have come right out of Rhode Island, homegrown, yeah. right out of Rhode Island, and and have given our state, continue to help give our artistic state a, a really great name. So in October, October 19th, there'll be an exhibit opening at the Providence Public Library uh, with a wonderful artifacts, and I'll be giving a lecture at Trinity Repertory Company on October 19th. Uh, I think it's at 6.30 or 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. There'll be more about that. Yeah, well, well, you know, I'd love to have you back on the show for that, to give us some more information before oh, that, that actually happens. Thank you. Thank and, you so much. And again, you know, we're, we're playing your music. We played you in. We're going to play you back in for the beginning of our next segment. But we are so happy, Thanks. Rose, to have you back in town, to have you at Waterfire. Um, you are, again, you are an inspiration to so many people. And I remember when Waterfire started, Barnaby came on my talk show that I had on Channel 10. And this was ages ago, and I remember having Bill Warner on when they were talking about the water fire, the possibility of it, and Dar Stevens and all these other people and Kathleen and everybody helping to carry it on. What a legacy. You know, what a legacy. Well, I'm going to talk to you about that offline because we have this massive fundraiser called the Fireball, and it's a roast to Barnaby that's going to be held on September 3rd, and we're going to be putting mm-hmm. information out about that. But if we could get some of that footage, that would be funny. I'd like to see Wouldn't Barnaby. That be funny? We'd yeah. have to talk to Channel 10, but gee whiz. Yeah. We can do that, Rose. We can do anything, right? <laughs> Ain't nobody's yes. business, as far as I know. <laughs> well, Rose, we are so looking forward to seeing you 7 to 9 on the Steeple Street stage. I hope everyone comes out. And uh, check out Rose's music on her website, roseweaver.com. And, Rosie, we'll see you soon. Thank you, Bronwyn, your doll. Thank you. All right. Bye bye. Welcome back. Recognize that voice? That's our very own Rose Weaver, who's going to be playing with the New Orleans Jazz Band on the Steeple Street stage on Saturday from 7 to 9. She will be followed by the incredible international sensation saxophonist and flautist Greg Abate. So there's going to be a lot happening on Steeple Street. Betsy, we talked about everything going on with the Hepsi um, information fair. Absolutely. A lot of Hepsi hope going on. That's at right. That fair. What do you think? Did we miss anything? Nah. No, I don't think so. You know what we did miss? This fire is all about hope. It is. And we've got our other sponsors. So we've got Fidelity. Fidelity, Fidelity Investments. So if you've been to Water Fire or if you come every year, for the last, it's got to be, it's a long time, somewhere around, what, 12 to 15 years, Fidelity Investments has been folding origami cranes um, and handing them out to people along the installation, the symbol of the crane being 
what, hope and fidelity, right? With hope and fidelity. Have yes. you heard the story about? Uh, I have heard the story of of the young woman who was sick and folded a thousand cranes to get a wish. So uh, that kind of really ties into everything that yes. we're doing at this fire. And I know that they're going to, they're going to have a, a setup, right, where people will be able to learn. You'll be able to learn from v- fidelity volunteers how to fold your very own cranes. Have you ever tried folding origami, Betsy? I have. How did you make out? Um, I can make pretty much the simplest thing, which is a frog. Then I, it's not even very good. Then you're doing better than I am. <laughs> I, I get frustrated after the third fold <laughs> when it doesn't come out right. But there we are. You know, fidelity is part of this. So, again, a whole night filled with hope, filled with great things. And, you know, we've got... Um, Something that Lynn Taylor just said to us, and again, I want to bring this up. Not only is this Rhode Island defeats Hep C fire so big just here in southern New England and at Water Fire, Lynn was saying, can you believe this, that it is one of the biggest, if not the biggest, Hep C festivals in the world? I'd believe it. Well, yeah, considering everything we just found out mm-hmm. about, you know, how new everything is. But, you know, I love the rapid treatment that we're getting for people. So that's very encouraging. And now we've got on with us, you know, we've again, I said, this is a very big fire, a lot of moving parts. Again, we still got the Festival Arts Plaza happening that starts at 6 o'clock. Steeple Street really starts at 6 o'clock with all the information and Hepsi Hope. And there'll Absolutely. be some music happening before Rose comes on and before Greg Abate. Um We've got the torch procession. We've got, of course, in the star field, people are going to be making dream, like, uh, wishes and putting yeah, up their stars. Wishes and dedications with Luminaria. Yeah, we've got a, that very special uh, you know, thing that's going to be popping up on Steeple Street, which <laughs> everybody, I'm telling you, it's magical. you got to go see what it is. Take a picture. Post it to your Facebook page. Post it to Instagram. Who knows? You know, tag Water Fire. It's going to be really cool. But even in inclusion of that... In this basin area, we've got a lot of stuff happening even before the lighting. So I know what we've got with it. Is it the Exalt? Yeah, the Exalt Choir from Mixed Magic Theater will be si- having a set, a gospel set, before the fire lighting. Very cool. And they're just fa- fantastic every single time. And then from there, we are going to be moving into an incredible performance by, you know, let's face it, Festival Ballet Providence. They've been one of our partners for years. The work that comes out of Festival Ballet is just, it's awe-inspiring. And last year, they were part of this fire as yes, well. And uh, this year, I'm very excited because we have got Dylan Giles from Festival Ballet Providence with us here today. Hello, Dylan. Hello, Bronwyn. Thank you for having us. I'm so glad that you're here. And I'm so glad, again, that you're going to be doing something at Water Fire. And especially this Water Fire, which is a big one, as yeah, you said. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, so much going on. There's going to be a lot of people down in that basin area. I also know they're gonna, these people down in the basin area are going to be visiting that German beer garden. Just oh, so yeah. you know, Dylan, there's a German beer garden in okay, the basin then. that people will be at, and then I'm sure watching the ballet performance. But can we talk a little bit about what we are going to see Festival Ballet performing? Well, as you said, this is a big one. So we've got actually 51 dancers um, that are going to be on stage, not all at once, but um, in different pieces. We've got... Um, and these are all students from our summer dance intensive, which um, right now we're um, in the fourth week of this intensive. So this is ending. This is the big culminating event for them. Um, and of course, what a what an opportunity for them to be a part of such a huge event, um, even just a small part. Um, and we're opening with a piece by um, Jose Limon, who is a, um, a fantastic modern choreographer from 
the mid 20th century. Um, this is a piece that's been performed around the world, um, and it's called a choreographic offering, and it's a um, tribute to his mentor, Doris Humphrey, also a very well-known modern choreographer. Um, and then we have a, a short excerpt from Act Three of Swan Lake, um, the Hungarian dance. It's a very high, high energy, high octane um, character dance. It's very, very fun. Um, and then how about a little Elvis Presley? We've got um, a piece yeah. uh, set to Bossa Nova <laughs> Baby um, by uh, our jazz class. Um, oh, and that's fun. going to be uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. But then so it's really eclectic. Kind oh, of this is a very wide ranging program. And nice. um, but then it gets into the grand finale. And this is a and this is from a ballet that we're going to be doing later in the season. This is an excerpt in the finale of the ballet called The Firebird, a Stravinsky's Firebird, which is, of course, one of his most famous ballets. Um, uh, this is Misha Jurek's um, staging of the ballet. And it's um, it's this um, kind of stewing, uh, it's called the Monster's Inferno, and it's this kind of little stewing section where the monsters are all dancing around the, the, the torches, and these are the first torches to be lit for the whole fire, and it, yeah. they're on stage, and our dancers are kind of dancing around the fire, um, and then suddenly, you know, um, the music changes into this beautiful crescendo that I think is, is so recognizable from Firebird, and that's going to be kind of echoing throughout the city as the doctors from Rhode Island defeats Hep C um, come down the stairs and fill the basin out. Um, and so it's going to be a big integration with this this um, idea of hope. And, you know, I think last year we were at this point, we were participating in this water fire, and it, it was a different tone. It was more like, you know, awareness. We wanted people to know. Mm -hmm. um, but this is almost a celebration. You heard Lynn, Dr. Lynn Taylor earlier in the show saying um, how much, you know, how jaw-dropping it is every day. The, the progress that's made um, for, for Hep C. And so this is a different tone, a much different mm -hmm. tone. We're so happy to, to be able to present that. And so is, is there any very, um, is there a significance to the Firebird? I think of Firebird and I immediately think, well, wait, what do you think, Betsy, when you hear Firebird? Resurrection. I think Phoenix yes, Rises. Yes, yes, that's a, that's a big part of the ballet. I mean, uh, the Firebird is this, this, um, this powerful, mysterious, um, um, it's a very old uh, uh, Russian folk character, um, and she, um, and she can be evil, and she can be, um, she can be very powerful, and and do a lot of good. And so in the ballet, she, she basically turns, uh, lifts this curse off of these, mm. off of the characters, and so it becomes this huge grand finale celebration, and it's all kind of because of her. This is the big turning point in the ballet. Um, so, so th there's so many symbolic applications. We could go on and on and on about this. Um, well, I mean, it sounds firebird. amazing, and especially to have that be kicking off this incredible water fire, th the course, water fire, yeah. and then the torch ceremony. Yeah. So, you said that it is it. Um, so, the firebird's going to be you're going to be performing that in the fall. It so that is one of three works that we're going to be doing at the Vets um, in October, October 23rd to 25th. Um, and it's called Ballet Russe Reinvented. The Firebird was one of the Ballet Russe most famous ballets. Um, uh, the other two on the program, Le Spectre de la Rose and The Afternoon of a Fawn. And these are three kind of seminal works of the Ballet Russe around um, in the early 20th century. Um, and I was also thinking before um, we came on, Sergei Diaghilev, who was the founder of the Ballet Russe, um, brought a lot of artists together. And, uh, and it's... It, 
I, I think it's so great that we're still able to do that 100 years later. Uh, yeah, I think that mm. we do a good job of that here in Providence and, and with Water Fire, and we just love the work that you do. Thank I know you. that you're going to have an information table so people can find we out more. Um, and I believe that's going to be more down towards Canal Street. On Canal yes. Street, that's right. Great, so people can find out more about your performances that are up and coming. And, you know, we, again, we just love working with you. Excited to hear about the Firebird. We're going to be posting this on Facebook and on our website. Always great to work with you. Betsy Jones, you are a wonderful co-host. Well, thank you very much. She's I had great. a great time. And we're going to be working a lot together this weekend as we get oh, ready absolutely. for CS for Cure, right? Oh, yes. Well, everybody, I hope you make it out. Um, lighting uh, is around 8.15, but come down at 6 o'clock. There is so much going on, always so much to see, and we hope to see you down by the riverside. Remember to live with hope. You're listening to Waterfire Ignites Rhode Island here on AM790, your station for talk and business. We'll see you on Saturday night.